Well, good morning. What a beautiful day it is. What an incredible time of worship, wasn't it? That was absolutely amazing. I want to welcome all of you, and I want to welcome those who are watching online right now, and wherever you may be, all over the state of Kansas, all over the United States, the world, thank you so much for joining us, and I pray that your worship is blessed. So after worshiping like that, it, 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 it gives me this feeling, it's like the Holy Spirit is prompting me that, you know what, that God's about to do something. And God does what He's going to do, and He does it through His people, but I think that today that there may be someone here today where God is going to show them something that you've never seen or felt before in your life. Today's message is about how God is going to reveal Himself. And so, if that may be you, I just want to tell you right up front that after the service, we have what we call the starting point. It's located right out in the back. And maybe you're here and you've been asking yourself questions and you think it's you, but it's actually the Spirit maybe prompting some things in your life, in your heart, and you want to know more about this, I want to invite you to join us at the starting point. And there's some individuals, some people that will be there there just to welcome you and to pray with you and answer any questions. It's not right in the middle of everybody, so people aren't going to be able to see you, but just go there and spend some time with these people and talk to them and see what God has for you. So today, at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to participate, and I'm sure that some of you have already noticed the bags are up in front. We'll get to that in a little bit, but I want to just I want to share with you, and I'm praying that God would just, just anoint you, that he would just speak to your heart this morning as we continue to be a church in the community that is about the work of our Heavenly Father. So if you know me, if anyone knows me very well, you know that the Andy Griffith Show is one of my favorite shows. In fact, I have this little game that I play, and that game is that how fast, as soon as it comes on, can I identify which show it is? My record is three seconds. Now, I know some of you are thinking, boy, that's one sick dude. But I want you also to know that, you know, my wife, is, she's not here today. She's traveling on her way home. She took her parents to see some relatives in Iowa. But I think she's going to play it at my funeral. So that's how you know. Now, I want to I just share with you something about the show. I remember it's in season one, and it's, it's, it's show 11. And in this show, the bus drives up. And there's this young man who gets out of the bus. He walks across the street to Floyd's Barbershop. Floyd's Barbershop is the happening place. This is where everybody hangs out. When he gets there, he walks in, and he knows everybody by name. But not only does he know them by name, he knows one or two facts about everyone. And these men are confused because they've never seen him before in their lives. He leaves, and he walks down the street saying hi to everybody by name, and everybody's kind of flattered by it in the beginning, but then he makes a mistake. He decides he's going to buy Wally's gas station, and he asks Lucy to marry him. Well, Lucy's brother gets a little bit frustrated with him, and almost a fight breaks out, and then Andy steps in and saves the day. Everybody goes home, and it's just Andy and this man, and he asks him, he says, do I know you? He goes, no, you've probably never seen me before in my life. And he says, well, then how do you know us and know so much about us? And here's what he said. He said, I served in the army with one of the citizens from Mayberry. 
And every time I heard him talk about Mayberry, he talked about it like this was, was this unbelievable place. I fell in love with this town. So I ordered the Mayberry Gazette. And I know, and I memorized everything about you and as many facts as I could about you because I wanted this to be my home. There was only one thing that he didn't realize about relationships, and that's this. If you want to be in relationship with someone, it has a lot more to do than just knowing the facts about them, right? Social media makes you think you know people, doesn't it? I mean, if you go on social media, you can find out anything you want to know about somebody. You can find out their favorite favorite color, you can find out their favorite food, you can find out who they're married to, who their family is, you can go with them on their vacations by looking at all of their pictures, you can know everything about people. In fact, if you were to meet that person on the road, you could have a conversation with them, couldn't you? Just because you know the facts about them. Well, I started to think about this, and I wanted to know, what do psychologists say about whether or not when you know someone, what would they say that would determine that you are in relationship with them? So here's what I found. Take a look at this. Number one, you have shared experiences. So it's not just the facts, it's that you have done life together. Here's the second thing. Consistent communication within the last year. Here's the third thing. Relationships goes beyond social media. And the last thing is this, can provide more details than just gossip. You know what I just described for you? I've described pretty much most of your relationships in the world, have I not? You know a lot about people, but what does the Bible say about when we are in relationship? You know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that we know we're in relationship when we are known. The woman at the well. Do you remember what it was that made her believe that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah? It was that he knew her. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from John chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 25 through 42, okay? Here we go. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. 
They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and a harvest, a crop for eternal life, so the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another one reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today I want to be known as one who brought others to Jesus, just like the woman at the well. But help me to remember, Father, that sometimes it doesn't begin with a word, but a kind act. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So last week, you remember that we witnessed or we saw Jesus touch a part of the woman's heart that was, well, we probably would have to say holding her back. Remember what it was about? It was about her marital issue, right? Yeah, Jesus asked her one question, and that was, go get your husband, and that kind of exposed everything, didn't it? Well, because he made her feel uncomfortable, then she did what we all do. She changed the subject. And she went to a very controversial topic between the Samaritans and the Jews. Remember what it was? It was worship. And for them, it was about the place of worship. The Samaritans said, we Samaritans believe that we worship at Mount Gerizim. And the Jews said, no, we know that we are supposed to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And so Jesus follows her down this road, and he sets her straight. And remember what he did? He tells her, it's not about, nor has it ever been about where you worship. It's about authentic worship. And Jesus told them, the type of worshiper that my father looks for is the one who worships in spirit and in truth. Did you worship in spirit and truth this morning? How about this last week? Well, the woman now knows she's way over her head. Jesus has brought up a couple subjects, or she has brought up a couple subjects, and Jesus has went through the subject and even way overhead. And so what she does is she kind of decides it's time to bring this to a close, and so this is what she says. She says, I know that the Messiah, who's called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Now we're about to see the reason about why Jesus came to this well. Remember that this meeting was planned since the beginning of time by the Heavenly Father, right? And God even made sure that Jesus was at the well right around noontime so that he could have this conversation with this one woman. Now I want you to think before we get into that, I want you to think about the word Messiah. 
both the Samaritans and the Jews, we learn, are looking for the Messiah, right? But what's interesting is they're both looking for different types of Messiahs. The Jews had the Torah. They had the, they had the book of the law, and they had the writings of the prophets. And from what they read, they had deduced that they knew what the prophet was going to look like. You see, they based what they wanted the Messiah to look like on their own personal need. And you know what their need was? You know what their problem was? The Roman government. And so they saw the Messiah coming as a political leader. They blew it. They've still missed it. They thought that the Messiah was going to be one who was going to bring prosperity and peace and social justice. You see, they interpreted Scripture from their own hearts. But I wanted to want your members that Scripture interprets Scripture. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the one that God has sent to us, He is the one that interprets Scripture to us. And so they were looking for the wrong individual. And then you have the Samaritans. They too were looking for a Messiah. But they didn't have all of the writings that the Jews did. All they had was what was called the Pentateuch, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And all they knew was is that the Messiah was going to be some type of a prophet and teacher. So remember what the woman said. I know that Messiah is coming. Kind of a flippant conversation. And now look at what Jesus says to her. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. <laughs> Can you wrap your mind around what Jesus just said? I mean, I've been looking at that statement all this week. And here is Jesus, the Savior of the world. And this woman makes a flippant comment, yeah, well, the Messiah who's coming called Christ. And Jesus stops and he goes, it's me. Jesus just revealed himself to this woman. And you know what? For all I know, today might be the first day that some of you received the revelation of God to you about who Jesus is. Do you all remember the very first time when Jesus was revealed to you in your life? Do you remember how you responded and how you reacted to him? Jesus now tells this woman, I am he. He hadn't even told the Jews this, let alone the disciples. It's amazing what Jesus has just done. Now, watch this. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Do you remember this story? This is the story when Moses was chosen by God to lead his children, his people, out of Egypt, right? And Moses said to God, who am I supposed to tell him sent me? And God said, you tell them, I am sent you. Now, what did Jesus just do to this woman at the well? He told her his name, right? So what is his name? 
I want to jump with you ahead of me, with me. If you would go with me into the, we're going to go a few chapters ahead to the book of, in the book of John. And I want you to remember, how many of you remember the story of Lazarus? Remember that story? Lazarus and Mary and Martha, they were really good friends of Jesus. They were very close. They're probably considered like family. And we know from the Bible that Jesus spent a lot of time there, right? He spent a lot of time at that home. It was his place to relax and kind of get away from everybody. Remember the disciples and Jesus had just been there and Jesus and the disciples left. And what happened to Lazarus? He got sick. And he got so sick that what happened? He died. And Jesus even told his disciples, I'm glad he died. You know why? So that the glory of God could be revealed. So Jesus comes back and on his way back, he runs into Lazarus' sister Martha and she meets him on the road before even Jesus even gets there. And remember what she said to him? If you had been here, my brother would be alive. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He didn't stop there, did he? And then he asked the question, do you believe this? A few chapters before that, Jesus is having a conversation with the people. And the Pharisees are there. Remember how I told you how the Pharisees always followed Jesus everywhere because they were looking to catch him in something, and now they think they've got him. You know why? Because Jesus had told the people, anyone who believes in me will never die. Oh, this made the Pharisees furious. And so they jumped on this, and they challenged him, and they said, you are crazy. You're telling us that whoever believes in you will never die? Who do you think you are? Abraham, our father, the father of our nation. He was a believer, and he died. And what about the prophets? All of the prophets, they too, they believed, and they died. What are you telling us? Who do you think you are, Jesus? And remember what Jesus did? Jesus answers their question like this. Here's what he says. By the way, this Abraham that you're talking about, I'm paraphrasing it, okay? This Abraham that you're talking about, he looked forward to this day when I would be here. This threw them into a conundrum. And here's what they said. You're not even 50 years old. And you're telling us you've seen Abraham? Now watch what happens here. Very, I tra- very truly I tell you, Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. You know what the people tried to do right away? They tried to kill him. They tried to kill him. And the Bible tells us that he just kind of passed right through him. He was hidden from them. No, nobody saw him. Where'd he go? But they, they tried to kill him. Now let me ask you the question. Why was it that these people tried to kill Jesus? Because he told them his name. That's it. But what he told them was this. You guys know the book of the law pretty well, don't you? You remember the story of Moses. You remember at the burning bush when, my, when, when God said to him, take your shoes off for the ground you're standing on is holy ground. You all know that, right? And you remember when he asked, who, who is it that is sending him 
God said, I am. So what you want to know is, if you want to know what my name is, here's what I'm telling you. It's me. I was at the bush. That voice, I am, here I am. And these leaders were so furious. You know why they were furious? The same reason that a lot of people have a hard time understanding who Jesus is because you have to understand that God only lives in the now. We think that there's a beginning and an end to everything because that's all we know. But Jesus now tells us, I am means that I live in the now. In the book of John, Jesus goes even further and he explains to us what he means when he says, I am. And there are the seven I am's that he talks about. You know one of them, don't you? The one of them is, is he says, I am the bread of life. Remember back when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and God rained down manna? What does manna mean? It literally means, what is it? I am the bread of life. I'm the manna. I came down from heaven. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, I am the bread of heaven. And then he goes on, he says, and you know what? I am the light of the world. What does light do? It dispels the darkness, right? And it illuminates things. And Jesus is saying, not only am I the bread of heaven, but what you need is I'm the light of the world. I'm the one who can show you the way. The path is lit, and I'm the light. And then he went on, and he says, and I'm also the door. In the days of Jesus, they would have these pens that were made of rocks, and they would bring their sheep into the pen, and the door that was carved out, the shepherd would lay in the door. And that would allow sheep either to come in or go out, but they had to go through the shepherd. And that's why Jesus says, I'm the shepherd. I'm the, I'm the guy that sits in the door. I am the door to get into the pasture, to get into the fold. Jesus goes on and he says, you know what else? I am the good shepherd. What does a good shepherd do? He takes his sheep to greener pastures. Do you realize what God has for those who love him? He doesn't stop there either, does he? He also says, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And in John 15, what does he say? He says, I am the true vine. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. You see, all Jesus did to this woman at the well is he revealed his name, and his name is I Am. So what's in a name? Take a look at this. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. You see, when you know somebody's name, you trust them. And when you know Jesus' name, you trust him, and you put your faith in him. Let's start bringing this to a close here. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? 
they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Now here's a question that I want to ask you. Think about this. Jesus, the Bible says, had to go through Samaria so that he could have one conversation, one encounter with one woman. And the result of that we know from reading the end of the story is that many came to believe in him. So here's what I want to say to you. My dear friends, don't ever underestimate the power of one conversation with one person. Don't ever underestimate the power of God because God takes every word you speak, every seed that you sow, and he cares for it, and he fertilizes it, and it uses it. Sometimes we may just be the planter, and somebody else is going to reap. Sometimes we reap. Sometimes we plant in reap. But we're not responsible for the fertilizing and making it grow. All we are called to do is to plant the seed. So you know what that looks like? In high school, it could be somebody sneezes. Hachoo! Bless you. God will take every word. Maybe you open the door for someone. Thank you. Maybe when you're at a restaurant, you say, hey, we're going to pray for our meal. Is there anything we can pray for you? Every word, every conversation you have about the Lord Jesus Christ is powerful. And God will use it. Now, I want to show you something. My grandpa used to tell this to me. He used to tell me farmers always expect more crops than what they planted. I can remember time, one time they, he rented some property just outside of Wentworth, and I went out to the field, and he had in his hand just some seed, and he could stay. He'd say, Bobby, he said, I want you to know something. He goes, this handful of seed here is going to create crops all over these acres. And I've learned that whatever I plant, whatever seeds I plant, I pray and ask God, I am expecting something more. All right, now, let me, let me show you something here, okay? I found this in Evangelism Explosion, so if you want to look it up, you can. Let's say that you found a football stadium that's filled 50,000, okay? 50,000 people in a football stadium. And let's say that every night... You filled that football stadium with 50,000 people. Every night, every week, every month, every year for 35 years. Are you with me? And let's say that every night, a thousand of them came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's kind of the average at these big events, about 5%, okay? Did you know that at the end of the 35 years, you will be behind in the, evangelism, in the task of evangelizing the world simply because of the amount of people that are born each and every day? Now just think about that. 50,000 every night, 35 years, 1,000 come to know Jesus, and when you're at the end of those 35 years, you will be behind where you started and day one, compared to this, if you were to tell one person about Jesus Christ and they were to become a follower in the first year, now you have two. In the next year, if each of you tell someone about Jesus Christ and they become a follower, now you have four. In the next year, you tell, each of you tells someone about Jesus Christ and they become followers, now you have eight. 
In the next year, each of those eight tells someone about Jesus Christ, and they become followers, and now you have 16, okay? And the following year, 32, and the following year, 64, and the following year, 128. You know what I mean, right? Now listen to this very carefully. Do you realize if you were to do that at the end of 35 years, the entire world would be evangelized? One conversation. One encounter with a woman at the well. And the Bible tells us that many believed because of her testimony. One of the things that our church is known for in Wichita is coming up on Thanksgiving, right? It's that we hand out probably 2,500 or so turkeys, and we do it free of charge, right? In the world today, right now, and especially this last year, there are a lot of people who are hurting for food. And you know what? I know that even now, there is some mom, some grandmother, some father, right now thinking about what are we gonna do for Thanksgiving? There's no way that we can afford it. This past week, our church got a phone call from Cargill. You know what they told us? We are so, so sorry, but we're not gonna be able to donate any turkeys this year. In fact, we don't even have any turkeys to donate. You see, because of some of the things that have happened, there's a shortage of turkeys. And all of the stores, Walmart and all the different stores, have had a larger order, and so they have no turkeys for us this year. Wow. But we started thinking right away, what what are we going to do? Do we hand out hams? Do we hand out chickens? Pastor Justin even said, maybe pork tenderloins. We started working with one particular company, and we thought that maybe we could get some hams from them. We thought it was going to go through, but then in the end, it fell through, and we had nothing to do. So last Wednesday night, our church council met, and we talked about this. And we talked, well, maybe what we do is we just give a gift card. Well, that didn't go over very well. And in my mind, I'm just thinking, God, there's no way that you want to cancel this. There's no way that you are going to not allow us. This is our way that we minister. This is the way that we become a light in the world. There's gotta be something. And so you know what we did? We prayed, didn't we, council members? And after we prayed, there was a member of our council who said, you know what, I know a guy in Emporia, and he works in a meat company. You know what we found out? We don't have any turkeys for this year but we have all the hams that we need. All right, now, we gotta pay for them. But we'll worry about that next week because as soon as they said, well, we have to pay for them, I thought of you. (laughs) I thought of me. We'll, We'll get to that another time. So here's what I want you to understand. God provided. And he provided a way. Why do you think that is? Because he's pleased with what we do. He knows our hearts and he knows that it's our goal to give these meals to these people, many of them who don't have anything to eat. 
And God decided, you know what, you've had enough turkey, this year you're getting ham. And all of that just begins with one act of kindness. What I'm believing is that this year, once again, there are going to be people who are going to come and they're going to receive a meal and God's going to reveal himself to them. And you know who he's going to reveal, how he's going to do it? He's going to do it through you. When you hand them that sack, when you put it in their car, when you get down and you look into their window and you say, have a happy Thanksgiving, Jesus loves you, God's going to reveal himself. And all it takes is one simple act of kindness. So right now, we have these sacks. You've seen them before. And on these sacks, we have what it is that we need to get. You can go to Dylan's. You can go wherever you want to go. And we just need for you to, to fill these sacks with whatever's written on here. Don't add anything. Don't take anything away but I can tell you that it's going to probably cost you about $15, okay? That's what the cost is going to be. Then, when the hams come in, then we'll take the sacks with the food in them, we'll put the ham in them, and then we'll begin handing them out. What a small price it is. What a simple act it is to be Jesus to the community just through an act of kindness. This is a big deal, and it's a big deal to God. And so what I'm going to do is this, is that as Pastor George is playing, I'm going to ask you to pray. And I'm going to ask you to pray about how many bags you need to take. If we run out of bags, and wouldn't that be great, you know what? The information that you need is out there at guest services, and we even have them here, and you can go and get the stuff without the bag. But one thing I must tell you, if you take a bag, you have to bring the bag back, please. Don't just throw it away or don't fill it. If you take a bag, fill it up and bring it back to the church. All I want you to do is pray about, God, how many bags do you want me to take? You know what? It doesn't matter if you take 10. It doesn't matter if you take 50. It doesn't matter if you take one. But one simple act of kindness, God is going to use to touch somebody's life. And you have to be okay with knowing that you may not see the result of it here on this side of heaven. But one day in heaven, I promise you, there are going to be instances where people are going to come up and they're going to pull on somebody's jacket and they're going to say, hey, you may not know who I am, but there was a time when your church, when you gave a sack of groceries and you thought it was no big deal, but what you don't know is that I was on my knees before God and I was telling him, I'm giving you one more chance. If you don't show up, I'll know that you're not real. And I came and you gave me something to eat. Remember what Jesus said? He says in his word, he says, when you visit me in prison, when you fed me, when you fed those individuals, it was like you were feeding me. And so I'm going to just say a prayer, and then after that, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And then I've got one more thing I want to share with you, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for your word. Thanks for the fact that Jesus shows us that just one conversation with one person turned into an entire community coming to know who you are. Father, you have given us the responsibility to go into the world and make disciples and you've told us that it begins right in our own homes, in our own communities. And that's what we're doing, Father. 
through this act of kindness, we're going to give somebody a free meal, knowing that we're not just giving it to them, but we're giving it to you. Father, you're a God who is a multiplier. And I'm praying and I'm asking that you would multiply this 30, 60, and 100 fold. And our promise is this, we'll point everybody to Jesus. And it's in that name we pray, amen.